Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Timed Pet and Pet Sitters International. Have you ever thought of opening your own e-commerce store? 2020 did a lot to the pet care industry, and many of us looked for new ways to run our businesses, to provide multiple streams of income, and look for ways to solve new problems that clients were facing. Today, we're really excited to have Jenna Gotch, owner of Passionately Pets, on to talk about what was the prompt for her to start her e-commerce store, how it really wasn't as much work as she thought, and how it helped her focus on moving beyond just offering services and instead making it more about relationships. So let's get started. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So um, yeah, my name is Jenna Gotch, and uh, I have been in the pet sitting industry um, since 2002. I actually started before I opened my own uh, business. So um, I got a little taste of doing... um, Pet sitting on the side after college. Um, I actually worked in marketing uh, after college and just like everybody else needed more money <laughs> and uh, answered an ad that was like, do you love dogs? And I was like, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was my entrance into uh, the industry. Um, but yeah, in 2007, I started my own business, Passionately Pets. Um, we are a pet sitting and dog walking company located in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. So we do service um, several cities in the Northern Virginia area. Um, And I don't know, I'm married. I have a dog. We live in Alexandria. Um, And that's my little family. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I I love how your story is. You had a little bit of taste of it, of doing it for a little bit. And then in twenty in two thousand and seven, you made a big transition in into doing this full time. So what what was that transition like for you into pet sitting? Yeah, so let me tell you how I got uh, started with my own company. So I uh, worked as a pet sitter for several years, and I absolutely loved it. It was awesome because I was renting, and I couldn't have any pets of my own, and it like gave me that joy, um, without having to have a pet of my own. And, um, my full-time job got too demanding. Plus it had been a couple years. So I started making more money there. So I was like, all right, I don't need this side gig anymore. And I quit, but I turned out to really just miss it. I would drive around town and be like, oh, there's Max's house. You know, he loves to play fetch in the yard. And oh, there's Fluffy's house. And I would just miss them. Mm. <laughs> so um, this is funny, but a motivational speaker came into the office at my uh, full-time job. And I believe that they were supposed to motivate us to work better as a team and like step it up and, you know, be into, um, you know, working there. But instead it motivated me to quit there um, and start uh, Passionately Pet. Um, I just, I, I missed hanging out with animals. I missed, you know, not sitting at a desk all day. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was lucky and I, 
um, got another full-time job that happened to be remote, which allowed me to um, take time out of the day and start building my client base. Um, And I started just myself and I... Um, you know, added one midday client at a time. Back then, Craigslist was like the big place where you advertised and got your clients. Um, and so yeah, I just built it one by one. Um, and about a year and a half into it, I decided to make it my full-time gig. Mm. So yeah, that's how Passionately Pets was born. <laughs> <laughs> well, and just this little stair steps, right, that you're doing of like, okay, we can do this. We'll do this step. We'll do this step. Always trying to get to 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 follow your passion, right? Because as you say, like you said, I know, is Passionately Pets is there because it was a it was a passion for you. It was a passion project. Where does that passion for, for pets and for your business come from? Um, I think just as a kid, we had, we always had pets. We had dogs, cats, guinea pigs, hamsters, iguanas, fish, you name it. Um, and I, I just really enjoyed them. You know, I, I feel like every kid wants to be a veterinarian when they grow up. And I, I did really, really want to do that for a long time, um, until I got to college and, turned out that I did not have the uh, smarts for biology and chemistry and all of that. Um, so I quickly changed course to uh, to business um, and got a degree in that instead. Hmm. Um, so in hindsight, it seems like a natural progression of finding some other way to combine pets like and my business degree um, together. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, how has it been translating your, your business skills into your own personal business? What are some things that have helped you or that you're, you're glad that you've had because of your past experiences? I, this is going to be terrible to say, but I honestly think that it didn't help at all. <laughs> I, like, anyone could, can start their own business. Like there, it, it is a like, learn as you go um, thing, at least it's been for me. Um, maybe being in business school helped me, um, you know, kind of outline and structure what steps need to be taken, but it's so broad unless you know what you're actually trying to do that you don't need a business degree to be a business owner. You just need to know what your end goal is and figure out how to get there. Um, so that's what I constantly do. And literally all the time, it's just problem solving. It's like, this is either not working or can be done better? How do I make this easier? How do I um, create something that my customers want? Like it's all answering a question or solving a problem. It's not really knowing how to do it up front. Mm. I think that's really encouraging because I think your story is a lot of us are going, oh, well, I love pets. I want to work with them. And then there's this business side. And to hear somebody who goes, yeah, I learned the business side. It doesn't really help you in running your business. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's really I encouraging. I definitely think you have to be organized and driven and be able to work independently. Um, but as long as you have those you know, skills, then you can put it in an in a package that works for you. Yeah. So you're in Alexandria, Virginia, Northern Virginia. How would you describe the market for pet care there? 
Oh my goodness. There are so many pets here. Uh, <laughs> literally everyone has one or five. And not only do they have pets, but they are their family members. Full stop. They will do anything for them. They are the people who are out there uh, bringing their pets with them to, you know, everywhere they go, putting them in little outfits, sparing no expense for them um, because they really are a part of their family. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, you know, I know that's a big shift in the industry too, of that's kind of describing more and more of what it means to be a modern pet parent is how they view and that relationship between the pets. So within that market, how would you describe your, your target client and who you're after and who you're serving? Yeah. So, um, I definitely think that we have two different um targets one for like the midday service and then one for the pet sitting service um so for middays we're targeting like a younger um client between 25 and 35 um you know they're they've started a career and they're starting to kind of like build their family and that family starts with a pet usually um so they could be single or you know dating someone or newlyweds but they're usually you know have just gotten their first pet and they are you know they need help while they go to work. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for vacation, um, it's a little bit older. And I think that's because the younger generations are bringing their pets with them literally everywhere. Um, and it's easier to do that now. Um, and the older generations are used to leaving them at home. Um, so for vacation, um, you know, it's more like 40 and up, um, people who travel a lot for work, they're, you know, homeowners, they're more established. Um, so yeah, that's our target. <laughs> well, and, and that's a really good point that I don't think it's made often enough is when we usually get asked, who's your ideal client? We have, we have one track and we go, this is who I'm serving. But to then break it out to individual services is really a great way to know exactly, okay, this is solving this per person's problem in this way. And this is who this is solving this for. And, and I think that reminds us, it's okay to do that. We might be yeah, like, oh, I don't obviously there's overlap, you know, but yeah. in general... Um, I have found that most of our midday clients do not use us for pet sitting because they mm. take their dog with them. And knowing where that overlap is or isn't, right, and and who who you're searching for is is really you know that takes time. Was that something that you had in mind in the beginning of who those worked for, or is that something you've kind of discovered over the years? Yeah, that's definitely more something that I've discovered than something that I aimed for. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like I said, I started with Craigslist ads, which I definitely think made it a younger market because, um, you know, older people weren't using Craigslist. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's just how it happened. Well, and so over the years, you've added a bunch of staff, you've grown in clientele and services. How has managing that growth been for you as you've, as you've added and expanded and your companies become larger and larger? Yeah, so um definitely every year pre-COVID, we um we grew in the number of visits that we were providing, the number of staff members that we had, and the number of clients that we had. Um, and it all kind of happened organically. Um 
I feel like it is incredibly difficult to manage because in this service industry where we need to go into people's homes, um, there is always this balancing act of having enough staff for this potential new clients and extra visits that you might get, but also having enough work for these new staff members to handle. Mm. Um, And it's hard to find people who are willing to wait until the work comes. Um, You know, other people just want to want a full route when they start. Um, And yeah, it's, it's definitely a balancing act. Um, I think because it's been happening, it's just been happening. I, it's not something that I, that I thought, and I was like, oh, you know what, this year I only have five employees next year. I would really like to have 10. Um, it was more just, oh, there's more visits than the current staff that I have right now today can handle. Mm. Let's hire someone. (laughs) Um, and so that happens literally all the time. And I have learned to always be hiring. And if someone is willing to work with whatever the workload is that I have at that moment, hire them, bring them on, do it. Um, Mm. don't wait until, you know, you're, till I'm doing all of the visits and I couldn't possibly take one more, you know, to start looking for help. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard of Time to Pet? Susan from The Pet Gal has this to say. Time to Pet has helped us grow exponentially. We believe the platform's features make us by far more professional than other companies who use conventional dashboards. They are the software gurus constantly developing and improving the platform based on user feedback. This decision was a good one. If you are looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com forward slash confessional. Because you don't want to end up behind the eight ball on that, always trying to stay ahead. And as you mentioned, seeing, okay, what's available to me right now and taking advantage of that versus always waiting for something better because that may never come. Yeah, yeah, I I am... I mean, we have standards and we have our hiring process that we go through and it's pretty extensive. And I found that it, it weeds out, you know, the people who aren't that interested or thought that it was just playing with puppies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so if we get to the end, it's like, all right, you're hired, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like, oh, I have a full route for you. I only have half a route. You know what? We have one dog for you today, but like, give us a month. It'll be full, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, so how is, how has hiring been for you recently? Um, And how is it different than in times past? Oh, COVID has ruined everything. You know, um, staffing has always been the most difficult part of this business for me. Um, And I know that's a common, you know, thread. Um, And a lot of that is just our business model is different. We need someone to go into someone's home and do this specific job. We're not all just standing in the same room. And if one doesn't show the, you know, the other three just pick up the load, it doesn't work like that. Um, and with COVID, um, I, 
I was very lucky to be able to keep all of my staff. Mm. I won't say that they all had the same amount of workload as previously, but I did not have to lay off anyone. And I'm really proud of that. And I, you know, took advantage of PPP and like whatever came my way so that I could continue to pay them. Um, and that was really important to me that my, my team is like my family and I wanted to make sure that I you know, was supporting them. Um, so that was very lucky. Um, but it's been a year and a half now, you know, people move on, people's class schedules have changed, people graduated, you know, people have found full-time jobs, things like that. So we have definitely lost more, um, staff members than we have been able to find to bring on. Um, I don't know what is going on (laughs) in the world today, but I know everyone is having this problem. And it's really unfortunate because we have so much work for them and we have no one who wants to work. Um, Mm -hmm. People are, you know, they apply and literally an hour later, we're trying to schedule a phone interview with them and they don't respond. And it's like, you just applied. Like we're, it's not like we waited a week, you know, (laughs) you haven't found something else in the last 20 minutes. (laughs) So it's been incredibly frustrating. um, Mm -hmm. And it's actually become really difficult lately uh, because people have started to go back to work, especially post Labor Day. And we, for the first time ever, are turning away existing clients. Um, We have previously, you know, around Christmas, you know, put a stop to taking new clients. But um, yeah, we've had to tell current clients like, hey, we don't have anyone for that weekend or, Mm -hmm. you know, to take on your midday route or whatever. Um, and it actually breaks my heart because I'm like, but they're our client, you know, like that's part of our family. We're supposed to help them. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we don't have the manpower and we are constantly looking and if anyone wants to be a pet sitter, you know, who isn't already one, I don't know who is listening, but just in case, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> we are hiring. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> well, so how, how do you manage that? Because I, I, you know, I can hear that, that it is very frustrating to you and, and you're like wanting to do this work and keep moving forward and keep growing and not being able to. So how do you just personally handle that kind of dissonance of, of what's going on? One day at a time, the best I can. Um, yeah, it, it involves a lot of deep breaths, I think. Um, but honestly, I, I feel like it's just all about being transparent and giving that communication and just making sure that, you know, if, if we don't have someone to help, that we just communicate that as soon as possible so that they can, you know, use somebody else. And we definitely um, recommend other companies in our area. So, hey, you know, we really like these three companies, like try them Um, because I I want them to be able to go on that trip or, you know, not worry about their dog while they're at work. Um, But yeah, it's been it's been really difficult. It, it has, and it and it's not really showing any real sign of of changing anytime soon, unfortunately. And so it is this kind of what is our expectations for the way our companies used to grow and how they grew before versus what we're able to do moving forward. So, have you changed anything about 
your job descriptions or what that job does to try and attract different people or um, or how are you adapting to that? Like we have not, but maybe I need to think about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, we have not changed yeah. um, the descriptions. The thing that I'm toying with changing is, uh, you know, do we need to start offering more money? Yeah. Um, in Virginia, a big issue is the um, minimum wage is on the rise, which is fantastic. I think it should. Um, and we have always, you know, compensated more than minimum minimum wage. But what I, I could be imagining this, but in my head, uh, um, pet sitting and dog walking used to always pay so much more than minimum wage that it made it a very desirable position. In addition to the flexible schedules and, you know, being out and about and seeing the animals, but it was good pay. Mm. If everyone, uh, for every, you know, job, minimum wage type job increases the difference between what, you know, what was really good pay is now maybe just a little bit more than they used to get. Um, and so I am thinking about raising our compensation, but that also comes with raising our prices, which I don't know if, you know, our market can bear right now. And so I'm wrestling with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that is an eternal question, right? Of, of how do we, how do we make sure that we're paying appropriately and providing them a standard of living um, versus what the market will bear for our, for our services. Right. And that's one of those things where we get caught between of, of making, making that work. And it's yet, yet another balancing act that we get to walk. <laughs> Yes, I am. I have it on my to-do list to figure this out for Passionately Pets for the new year, um, which means that I have to do it kind of by the end of October so that we can, you know, make the appropriate announcements to our customers and um, and everything like that. So it's on my to-do list, but I don't have a solution yet. <laughs> well, so how have, how have previous price increases gone for you? And what was that process like in raising prices previously? Yeah, so we um, try and raise our prices uh, every other year, um, and I feel that, that that everyone should do that. Um, you know, standard of living goes up, and you know everything becomes more expensive, and we should also, you know, become more expensive in order to um, cover all of that. Um, honestly, like we. Uh, just notify all of our clients um, at least a month in advance and let them know what it's going to change to. And most people understand it. Um, there's a handful who then can't afford it, which is unfortunate. Um, and we may end up losing them because of it. But, you know, it's like one client versus, um, you know, the the 500 that we have. And um, it's just a necessary part of doing business. Um, mm. It's scary. It's incredibly nerve wracking every single time. Um, but I also have found that if you're just like, okay, well, it's it's the every other year and this is what we do. Um, you know, it, it sets expectations and, um, you know, everyone's usually okay with it. 
Yeah. Well, it sets expectations for yourself, too, because you just mentioned it's really scary. I mean, every time Megan and I have raised prices, I've like clicked the button with my eyes closed, turning away from the computer to send out the announcement. And I'm like, here it goes. It's all it's all over. And it's always been fine. But it's every time. And so to have this on a schedule of whether I'm ready or not, this is what we're doing. And that's just what the business does. And that's another reason why having policies and procedures in your business is so important, not just so that other people know what's going on, but so that you know know what's going on. Absolutely. And we were supposed to raise it for 2021, but because of COVID, we didn't. And so now I'm all like, oh, well, you got an extra year in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, COVID threw everything off. And and I know it it was a pivotal year for you, especially with a lot going on. So I'd love for you to tell us how how 2020 was for your business. I knew you described a little bit about the the employees and stuff, but business and operationally, you know, how did you guys pivot and change? Yeah. So um, as with most pet sitting and dog walking companies, COVID hit and we went down to doing 10% of our normal service, um, which is absolutely crazy. Um, We, Uh, We're very lucky to have um, quite a few clients continue to pay for things that they weren't getting and, you know, tip our staff and help us get through it, which was amazing. Um, But uh, before COVID hit, I had been toying for several years about starting um, a merchandise line for Passionately Pets. And I, um, the motivation, the inspiration came from visiting breweries. My husband and I really like, um, going to different craft breweries, um, together and, you know, trying all the different beers, but you go to a brewery and then you, you get the swag, you know, and I, not only do I like getting swag shirts, you know, hats, whatever from breweries that I like their product, I also, um, as we started going to more, like noticed when other people were wearing the swag that I knew what the logos were. I knew what the sayings meant. And I really liked that. And I wanted to kind of create that for the pet sitting world. Um, and I, I wanted to have like swag that any pet sitter or dog walker, dog owner, pet owner could have and like another pet owner dog walker would get and be like, oh my God, I love your shirt. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when COVID hit, it really gave us the time to spend on mm-hmm. creating a merchandise line. Um, so we opened up an e-commerce shop and we started um, with a couple different um, shirt designs. We have like a standard love design that we literally put on everything. <laughs> um, Um, And we got dog collars, leashes, magnets, glassware, um, you name it, we probably have it. (laughs) Um, And then with having the merchandise and having the online store, uh, I was able to participate in um, outdoor markets that happened all throughout COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it was super helpful to stay in front of my clients, like everyone, you know, all of the pet owners in the area now 
remember passionately pets because they got, they saw that shirt and they thought it was really cute or, you know, their dog loves our treats or whatever it is. Um, so it stopped being all about the services and started more, uh, being about being a part of the relationship between the pet owner and the pet. Um, and it's definitely been a lot of work, (laughs) um, which I didn't expect it to be, but here we are. (laughs) Um, and, but also like really rewarding. Um, I've been able to meet a ton of people and their pets and, um, create a relationship with them. And, um, a huge part of starting the retail side was we wanted to give back to our community and help pets in need in our area. Mm. And there really wasn't room in the service side funds to do that. And the retail side, I can set the prices to be whatever I want, right? <laughs> so we build it in that a dollar from every item uh, that is purchased gets donated to whoever our fundraising partner is at the time. Um, and, you know, our our community and our clients really appreciate that and and really like that and support it. And it helps them to decide like, oh, I want to support that charity. Sure, I'll buy this bag of treats. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it sounds like you had always like you mentioned this was something that was always on your brain. Um, did you ever envision when you first started that you'd be a pet sitter and running and operating a retail store as well? And did that fit in with where you thought the business would go? I really didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, this is all news to me. And I I just go with the flow. I'm like, oh, we started this thing. And you know what? Um, it didn't go as I thought. Uh, you know, we started with, um, with the merch and the swag and then quickly learned that people really just wanted toys and treats, you know? So then we added toys to the store and treats to the store and... Um, in uh, the end of April, we started making our own treats. So we are constantly, you know, morphing into just whatever it seems like people want. Um, And like I said, it's all about like answering a question, solving a problem. Um, I don't, I don't have big plans, (laughs) but I, I just like continually, um, we'll try and problem solve and it leads me to whatever the next step is. Mm -hmm. And this is just the next step. And now we are weekly at a farmer's market. We're constantly doing um, big events. We partner with, you know, bars and do yappy hours with them. Um, And we've done events uh, before, but when it was only services it seemed like, you know, everyone who was attendance wasn't in our service area or, you know, like we would have to buy all these treats in order to like give them away. And people were happy that we were there and they had a good event, but they didn't remember who we were. Mm-hmm. We didn't make a connection with them. Um, and now we're making that connection. Um, and it's, it's showing up on the services side. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Uh, we just uh, participated in a re- local bark in the park for us as well. And we showed up with our table and the purchased treats and all these little things that we had. And it did feel, vault, it felt to us, felt, felt very flat, at least this year, where people just weren't quite connecting or understanding what we were because we were the only really, you know, there was like a trainer there, but we were the only other service oriented people there. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I can definitely see how. People may be concerned, business owners may be concerned, oh, I'm, I'm going to be branching off in too many different directions. But the way you view it going, no, this is actually supporting my services side. It's really built a bridge between the two. And and I think the bridge is connecting the community to Passionately Pets. So I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the maybe the, the, the nuts and bolts of setting this up, because I know when I think of setting up an e-commerce store, I get a little overwhelmed with the thought of it. And you may be, you may be saying, oh, yes, you should be. Uh, but like, like, <laughs> you definitely should be. <laughs> oh, sweet. At least meeting expectations. Um, so do, do you run it on a specific site or is everything custom for your website? Or, or how did you go about just like that initial step of yeah, so um, so I'm joking. Creating the the site is actually not that difficult. Um, there are lots of services out there that make it easy for people. Um, I chose not to uh, have it as a part of my website um, only because I wanted to be able to add a product, change the inventory, change a price, all of that. And I don't know code. I can't, I can't go into the back end and like make those changes. Um, so I decided to, um, uh, to use one of the services. And so our shop is run off of Shopify. Um, there are tons of others out there, but they they pretty much have a template and you you decide like, hey, this is the format I want my store to come up in. Uh, and then you, you fill in the blanks. Um, they make it super easy for you to add the product. Um, you know, they ask you all of the questions that, you know, at first I didn't know, like things about how do I want to ship it and how do I want to charge tax and then I was like oh I should probably register for that (laughs) (laughs) because um you know our on the service side there's no tax um but on the retail side there is um so it kind of walks you through all of it and makes it really easy uh it sounded like it was a really just simple process of kind of walking you through, as you said, each step of things that you needed to know to to have something that you could be posted out there and have people start buying that day. Really, it sounds like. Yes, absolutely. As soon as you decide that your site is live, somebody can go in and make a purchase um, and they, you know, uh, take care of the credit card processing for you as well. So if you don't need to do that extra, um, I did need to decide how I was going to accept payment while I was like at a market. Um, I decided again to stick with Shopify just because I thought it would be easier to keep everything all in one connected system. Um, but there are again tons of options. Um, everyone actually thinks when they pay that my little reader is square, and then they're like, Oh, yeah, you can email me the receipt. And then when I ask them for the email address, they're like, Isn't it square? I'm like, No, <laughs> I'm like, I need your info. Yeah, <laughs> so if you don't want to be asked that all the time, maybe square is the way to go. But um, but for me, it works that they're all connected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I get one bill 
and and that's it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Do you remember your first sale? What was that experience like whenever you first got that notification that you had sold something? Oh my God. Those are my favorite emails. So it emails me every time I get an order and I am like a little kid at a candy store, literally every single time I will even be at the event. I'm the one processing the sales, but then I look at my email and I'm like, Ooh, look money. (laughs) Um, so yeah, right now, um, it still happens every single time I get a sale. Yeah. It, I'm super excited. Um, the first one of course was like, oh my God, someone actually wants what I have, you know, like I created, you create this thing and you have this vision and you have no idea if somebody else actually wants it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, that first sale was just like, oh, so I have, I'd made something that someone actually wants. Like, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it is to realize that like, again, like I I know you have that same kind of that same experience whenever you're offering the pet sitting and dog walking services, but to have something that's created on a physical object and have someone go, oh, I'll buy that through an online store. It does. I, I can imagine it feel very much like, oh, wow, this is weird and amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, both at the same time. Mostly amazing, though. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so the, you mentioned that you make your own dog treats now, but you sell a lot more uh, than just dog treats. Where do you get your products and, and how does that end of this work? Yeah, so um, so we have things that we create that are branded. Um, So we have a whole apparel line. We have um, collars, leashes, glassware, um, magnet stickers. And honestly, each of those are purchased from a different vendor. Um, Much like if you were, you know, just getting something with your logo, any promotional product, you know, just like eh, whoever like makes the cheapest one (laughs) is kind of the one that we, you know, use at the moment. Um, our shirts, uh, we actually originally had gotten them, um, to have inventory in, uh, it like actually in my office, like in hand, uh, and you really have to order a lot of each product in order for the cost to come down far enough that it's at a price point that the customer will want it. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a lot of shirts um, and they really weren't selling as quickly as I had hoped. Um, And so when we came up with other designs, I have now switched to print on demand for our apparel. Um, And I use Printful for that. And it's been great. I haven't had any like complaints about it um so somebody will order something off of my site and the order automatically goes to printful and they make the shirt and send it to the customer directly so i don't even have to do anything wow (laughs) um And uh, I just want to take a step back for a minute and um, let people know that when you do have an e-commerce shop, you have two ways that you can run your store. So you can be inventory-based, which I have chosen to do, um, or you can do drop shipping, where you purchase products, uh, you list products from someone else on your site. When you get the order, you tell the other people, hey, I need you to send this to my customer and they take care of it for you. So you don't actually have any inventory on hand. Um, The reason I decided to go with inventory-based was 
because when you drop ship, it comes from the drop shipper. It does not say that it comes from passionately pets. Mm. And I, I didn't like that disconnect. Um, I also quickly discovered that maybe I wanted some items from company A and some items from company B. And if someone ordered something from A and B, they would end up getting two different boxes at two different complete times. Plus, if they ordered any Passionately Pets merchandise, now it's three shipments. So it was a whole hot mess in my mind. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to go inventory. But the easier option is to go drop shipping if you don't care what the box says and when, you know, your customer gets it and whether or not it's in one box or five. (laughs) Are you a member of Pet Sitters International? PSI is the largest educational association for professional pet sitters and dog walkers with a mission to promote pet sitting excellence through education. After the tumultuous past year, having the support of a strong community and direct access to educational resources and business tools is more important than ever as you rebuild your business. PSI is here to help. With a free monthly member toolkit, monthly bonus resources, online trainings, private member Facebook group, and more, along with group rates on insurance and background checks, PSI is the one-stop shop for everything you need for your pet sitting or dog walking business. As an educational association, PSI believes that if you know better, you'll do better and invites you to join thousands of other like-minded professionals who are committed to offering the best possible pet care services and elevating our industry. If that sounds like you, visit petsit.com slash PSC to learn more. Our listeners save $15 off your first year membership by using the promo code PSC15 at checkout. I can imagine how being inventory based then means you're managing a lot of product around. It, does, does Shopify handle that, or or how are you keeping track of everything where it, where it is and how many you have left? Yeah, so um, I keep everything in my tiny little office. Uh, I got very lucky that the uh, house that we bought a couple years ago um, had this room that literally had all of these bookshelves on two of the walls. And when we moved in, I was like, well, that's my office, but I have no idea what I'm going to put on all of these shelves. And then here we are, and it is literally stuffed full of just our merchandise. So I don't know what I would do if I didn't have these shelves. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I place these orders um, at wholesale sites or directly with um, whoever makes the product, depending on how they end up selling their product. Uh, and when I get it, I, if it's a new product, I have to add that item to my store. Um, and if it's an existing product, I just need to adjust, uh, the number, um, in inventory. So I'm in charge of keeping track of the inventory. Um, and I do it just when I receive the shipment and I'm going through the box to make sure it's all in there. You know, I have the Shopify website open and I adjust, um, the inventory on hand. Yeah. Um, and then it takes uh, care of tracking when somebody purchases it. It, you know, reduces the inventory for me. Well, that's really nice, at least. And it's not insanely uh, complicated, I guess. Uh, it just takes some getting used to that process and making part of that of your, your new workflow, I guess. 
Yeah. So it, it's just time consuming, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that bad if you have the same amount, like the same products all the time. Um, but I've discovered that, you know, if I'm going to do events and, you know, the same people might follow me from event to event, like maybe they come to one of my events once a month. Well, if I have the same exact toys every single event, they're going to stop buying because they already have that. Right. So, um, so I need to keep it interesting, get, you know, holiday themed items, et cetera. And, it's, it's the adding the new items to the store that takes a long time, like creating the description and adding the photos and like having all of that that makes it look pretty yeah. um, in the store online um, takes a lot of time. Yeah. Adjusting the inventory of something that's already in the shop is very easy. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of your, your, your top sellers or maybe some things that you're surprised at how well they do? That's an interesting question because it is not consistent at all. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it um, It's so funny because I will go to the same farmer's market and be like, I need... 10 tuna and cheese treats because we ran out last time and I will bring extra. And then that'll be the week where people only want the apple cinnamon. (laughs) And I'll be like, but I didn't bring enough. Now I'm out of those. And like, it literally changes all the time. Mm. Um, I, uh, I am surprised that like, that our apparel doesn't sell more. We get a lot of compliments on all of the shirts and like, Oh, that's so cute. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, that's so cute. But then no, like, you know, not many people buy it, but then all of a sudden there'll be one day and we'll sell five and that day. And I'm like, Oh, I, okay. (laughs) You know, so it's always surprising. Um, I think that the toys, um, first of all, uh, selling in person is way more successful than just having a store. Hmm. Um, it's there, it's available, but getting somebody to actually add stuff to their cart and purchase it, um, is really hard, uh, when you're not in front of them. Um, selling at a market at an event is way easier and having all of the colorful, different fun design toys gets them to come over. Mm. (laughs) They will be, you know, sitting at their table, drinking their beer. And I will hear them being like, Oh my God, do you see that avocado? Oh my God. There's, (laughs) you know, a a white paw, you know, variety pack. Like, do you see that? Oh my God, we totally need to get this. So like they sit and talk about it for a good like hour before they get up and come over. Um, but, but that's like the attention grabber. Um, and then people really do like our treats. They're all homemade. They're uh, human grade ingredients. Um, we we have like um, samples for the pets to have like while we're there. And, you know, honestly, I love when somebody, you know, comes back and is like, you know, hey, my dog loves this treat. You know, like we need more. Like that's the biggest compliment ever. <laughs> <laughs> so are you the ones making the treats or are you outsourcing that to somebody to make you know, white label or whatever? Um so uh we outsource it but they are being like homemade like they're not they're not at a factory like yeah. someone is in their kitchen you know like rolling them out and mixing the dough in a standard you know hand mixer. <laughs> sure. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, yeah. I was just curious because I know there are different ways to but go about I that. I don't yeah. personally do it. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but that, because I don't have time for that. I would right. love to, but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we just got uh, actually at that park in the parking event, got connected with somebody who we had never heard of who does exactly that, where they make them in their home. And it was like, I need to talk to you immediately and start picking your brain on this stuff. Uh, so that's, that's interesting that, uh, yeah, the easiest thing to do is to find someone who's already doing it and then ask them if they're willing to private label. Okay. Yeah. Now that's a really good tip because I think we're always looking for those kind of things and building those relationships and partnerships too with people, um, in our area as well. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Now, one thing that I noticed is, you know, you've, you've, you've built a pet sitting company, you've built an e-commerce store. And and, um, I think uh, who who gets to model the clothing for a lot of this uh, site, for a lot of the photos uh, on on, on your store? (laughs) Usually it's me. Okay. (laughs) Um, No, we, uh, we try and, um, you know, kind of get our staff to (laughs) wear it and then take pictures um, taking pictures and like making videos is like the thing that I should be, it's the top thing that I should be doing more of, but find it difficult to find the time. Right. Um, so yeah, so most of the time it's me and then sometimes, uh, you know, it'll be like a stock photo or something if it's, um, you know, just with a toy. Um, we also try and take a lot of pictures of people like shopping at our, you know, stand or, um, you know, if a client takes a picture of their dog, you know, wearing this dog sweater that we sell, like, all right, that's going on our, you know, social media. Like we're using that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think just taking those opportunities and and using what you can. And I think uh, that's one one of the things that I love most about your journey through and into e-commerce is that it's not, it's, it's a lot of unknowns, but they're not unsurmountable and you can get through it just by trying different things and just just starting but if someone's listening and maybe they're still a little overwhelmed or they don't know where to start maybe they're just interested in starting an e-commerce store what kind of advice would you give them so my husband actually uh gave me this bit of advice which was don't save items for a future event And it blew my mind because I would be like, oh, today I'm have the farmer's market, but tomorrow we have wags and whiskers. And I want to make sure that I have this, you know, this type of treat because it's our biggest seller. And my husband was like, if you sell it all today and have none for tomorrow, that's better than if you didn't bring it today, you bring it tomorrow and you don't sell them there. So, (laughs) so that was like the little tidbit that blew my mind of like, you know what, you're right. You can't, you can't save things for the future. Um, just do the best with what you, with what you can. Right. And I have also discovered, um, at the beginning, I wanted like more, more, more. I felt like I never had enough inventory or enough choices or could like wanted to bring everything to an event just because I have it. Um, And I have realized that 
people will buy from the choices that you give them. Hmm. So just because you didn't bring that one thing, they don't know you ever had it in the first place. So <laughs> they will, they will choose from, from the yeah. choices that you provide them. So, um, I have since like dialed back on ordering more toys and been like, and I panic a little bit, like, Oh my God, we ran out of the white paw. Everyone loves the white paw. We need more white paw. But then I'm like, you know what? I have other stuff right now. Like I don't really have room for it. Um, and it's taken me a while to get there. Um, so yeah, all of my advice is about inventory because it's like been the bane of my existence of like how to fit it all in this one room because it's not allowed to be anywhere else in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly because my dog would get into it if it was like, you know, just out and about, but also because, you know, my husband doesn't want to be looking at a pile of dog tree. <laughs> well, it's also the the biggest change in the kind of business that you're running, right? You've used to a service-based business versus a physical item business is also the biggest shift that we have to change in our thinking about how we approach the problems that were coming up and and how we manage that. That's that's an entirely separate way of operating for us too. Yes, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> well, Jenna, I have really appreciated this conversation. And, and I really want to thank you so much for encouraging us to, to get started uh, in something and, and for the impact also that it's, it's had for you and the connection that it brings to your community. But I know that there's a whole lot more there and people are going to have a lot more questions. So if, if they want to, uh, how can they get in touch with you and follow along with everything that you're going on and, and check out your store too? Yeah. So, um, check out our website. It's passionatelypets.com. If you want to go directly to the shop, it's passionatelypets.com slash shop. Um, definitely follow us on social media. You can, uh, see what's going on on both sides, the service side, as well as, um, the store side where we are at passionately pets, um, on Instagram, as well as on Facebook. And uh, if you have any questions for me, you can always uh, shoot me an email at Jenna at passionatelypets.com. Perfect. And I'll have links to all of that in the show notes so people can click right to that and maybe pick your brain about getting hired too if they're in Northern Virginia and looking for that as well. Yes, please apply. <laughs> There's a link to it right on our website as well. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, Jenna, again, thank you so much. This has been a real pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. My two big takeaways from Jenna were two things that she said. The first one, that as she built out her e-commerce store, it stopped being about the services and became more about building relationships. We are a relationship industry. We build relationships with clients so that they in turn trust us with the services that we are giving them. And anything that we can do to build that trust, to build those relationships is something that we should at least be interested in pursuing. And that leads me to the second point, that it's all about answering questions and solving problems. And how as she pursued that, answering questions, solving problems, answering questions, solving problems, That led her into the e-commerce store, and she's built from there. That underlying the foundation of everything that Jenna does, it's answering questions and solving problems. Yes, that means that it can be another source of revenue and income for our business, 
but it's a reminder that when we pursue customer service and solving problems, the income and the revenue comes in on the back end. That when we pursue these things to help people, that's when we get a payout. That's when our business benefits the most. We want to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet and Petsters International for making today's show possible. And we really want to thank you for listening. Let us know if you have ever thought about starting an e-commerce store, or, or maybe you did in the last year. We'd love to hear how that's gone for you and some of the lessons that you've learned or advice that you'd want to share with others. Send that feedback to feedback at petsitterconfessional.com or tag us on a social media post. Let us know how it's been and share your story. We'd love to hear it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all of your support. We'll be back again soon. <laughs>